Welcome to the Fantasy End Podcast, where we share our love for all things fantasy and discuss the broader speculative fiction industry. Welcome to the Fantasy End. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy End Podcast. Today we have a special episode for you. Uh, we're talking all about book design. So I have some wonderful guests with me. First is Michael R. Fletcher, author of the Manifest Delusion and City of Sacrifice series, along with several standalone novels. Uh, his latest work is Blackstone Heart, which should be releasing April 1st. I also have with me Felix Ortiz, a talented artist specializing in fantasy and science fiction. He's designed numerous book covers for indie fantasy authors and worked with major publishing imprints like Tor Books. So welcome to the podcast, guys. How's it going? It is lovely. It's so good. We're working on our haircuts. Felix is going <laughs> with the mohawk. Uh, I've uh, I've been welding a, a cow catcher and a roll bar to my, uh, to my Hyundai, getting ready for the apocalypse. It's fucking right on. Good, good. Yeah, you know, uh, we all have to be rocking those uh, post-apocalyptic hairdos pretty soon. Yeah, we're ready. We were saying before that it's how you look when you die. It's not about your gun (laughs) or your knives. Yeah, it's important to go with good hair. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll probably be dying with a buzz cut or a bowl cut then because uh, (laughs) my options are fairly limited. Yeah, my options are pretty limited too. Yeah. Anyways, I'm curious. So I know you guys have worked together some in the past. So start things off. Just how did the two of you meet? Uh, Felix, you want to handle this or shall I? Yeah, yeah. I'll, uh, um, so what I joined the Grimdark uh, Fantasy, like the Facebook group, some years ago. And the first Grimdark book I read was uh, Beyond Redemption. So since then, I know who Michael Fletcher is because that book, every, I mean, everybody, it's a, it's the top, what is it? 11 out of 10 points in the grim dark scale. (laughs) Darkest of dark books ever. And and, I mean, and since then, you know, I, I started doing all the covers and at some point he reached out. No, wait, how was it? Did I, did you have, you had, you were talking about doing a CD like a well the one for um smoke and stone yeah i was looking for a for a sort of fantasy cityscape with some some pyramids and stuff yeah and uh, and then you and i started talking um i think while i while i was looking i started sort of thinking about artists and stuff and uh i saw your uh, your art station page and i was like holy shit like just there's so much amazing stuff on his art station. I was like, oh my god, I gotta gotta talk to this dude. And then we started talking, and he shared me some some of the stuff that wasn't yet published that he was working on for some other authors. And it was just like, it was so good. So I mean, that was pretty much it. Uh, at that point, I mean, it's funny because I was like, I'd already decided I didn't have the budget to do to hire an artist, and I was like, I'm just gonna like crayon the shit out of a book cover myself (laughs) and then i saw felix's work and it was just ah crap yeah okay come up with the money somehow we got to do this it's too good i mean for me this is like i i need to have 
I've given up. I need to have a book cover. I can get blown up to about two feet by three feet, done on stretch canvas, put it up on my wall. That's the only way I'm happy. And his stuff, Felix's work is just, it looks so good when you, ah, it's good. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. (laughs) So do you have some stretch canvas art on your wall then? Me? Yeah. Every book cover. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Every, that's my treat. Every time I get a book published, uh, I do, uh, it's like two feet by feet, three feet, uh, you know, blown up, uh, done on stretch canvas and a gallery box mounted on the wall. Makes Is me happy. On the, I think it's on a staircase or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Those are, uh, four of them now are on the staircase there. Yeah. Yeah. Is is um oh the latest one is not really out yet right so yeah not yet you still you still don't don't have that one no no I wait until it's actually you know out there and published before I uh, before I uh, you know do the prints actually I wait until it's sold a bit so I can afford to do the prints <laughs> you said you said uh, you were doing pretty good on a I saw on a post that the pre sales were faster than previous books maybe or something yeah like yeah um so blackstone hearts uh f- as far as pre-sales goes is already sort of outsold uh smoke and stone which was previously like uh, like by far the best sort of you know for pre-sales so i'm hoping hoping that means there's some hype and people are gonna freak out about my fucked up little books i don't know fingers crossed right yeah yeah i mean uh, i guess part of that is building a name for yourself as an author over time. And then uh, recently with Felix's art, just getting some gorgeous book covers. Cause I mean, people say don't judge a book by its cover, but who really actually follows that advice? I you know, I like, I have been buying books based on the cover since I was 12 and it almost never lets me down. It's like, it, you know, if they care enough to get a really great cover, it's probably a pretty good book. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's exactly how I think if, if, it has to be extremely well reviewed for me to buy a book that doesn't have at least professional or, or like a great cover. So, something I know somebody really put the energy on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very rare that I'll, I'll, I'll buy a book. And, and I'm actually being let down because like I, I'll see a couple of reviews of, of a book, I buy it, and then I don't know, 20% in you know, like, eh, I stop reading because, yeah, I should have judged. so says the artist (laughs) judge the book by its cover i guess on that note speaking of judging covers uh starting off with an easy softball question then what for the two of you makes for good cover art so i'm curious both from an artist's perspective and then also from an author's perspective you want to start there uh michael yeah sure uh okay so i i approach this from an entirely sort of selfish angle Um, So for me, um, I want to see something from the story. I want to see something I recognize and it has to look just sort of like stupidly gratuitously cool because it, that's for me, that's what it's about. Like all this, this isn't like a, you know, a, a career. This is like a nerd who's run rampant and uh, is just sort of like doing fun shit. Um, so I, I just want to, I want to cover that makes me happy. Uh, when I look at it, I want to be like, fuck yeah, that got my, that's got my name on it. Makes me happy. So that really is it. Um, so when an artist sends me a cover and I'm like, 
yes, holy crap. Like, I'm done. That's it. And, uh, you know, the first the first stuff uh, Felix sent me, he sent me the roughs for Blackstone Heart. I was just blown away. And then each time, like, he tweaks, sends the next one. I get happier every time. So so that's it for me. It's uh, totally selfish. That's great to hear you like that one. <laughs> no, you know, that's funny. It's the Blackstone Heart has, you know, on ArtStation, has the most likes or like the fastest amount of likes on, you know, that's it. ArtStation is a platform that uh, it's a sort of newish, has only a few years. Um, so yeah, I did something right with that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's different. I think you like, you sort of dipped into a, a palette you don't see a lot in fantasy. There's some colors there that are, they're kind of like outside of the norm. And then that it's, it's a weird scene that, that we sort of picked to do. And, uh, you just nailed it. It, it was, it was really hard because <laughs> usually it's like a black sort of sun or, or like a, I would say a black hole or, you know, like a, a yeah. Black sun. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but then, but then, so it's swallowing all the light yet we can see the pinkish sky and the stones and the guy. So it's not really, you know what I mean? Like, so the source of light is actually not the source of light. And I'm like, how the hell do I do that? (laughs) And you know, that's why I did so many, so many iterations. Like I did a bunch of sort of different layouts until I got to the one where it's like, you know, it looks cool. Who cares if it's realistic? It's never going to be realistic. Yeah. It's not real. It can't possibly be. So <laughs> this writer's expectations are completely unrealistic. Exactly. Exactly. You could say that actually. It's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know for me, just from a reader's perspective, seeing that cover like first impressions, you don't often see a lot of fantasy book covers that pop out in like such vibrant pinks and purples and reds. Like it's a color palette that I don't often see. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the original brief had purple, like purple colors or some sort of, uh, you know, sort of a purple storm kind of thing. Um, so I, I just chose colors that sort of went with that, like mashed, you know, no, I didn't want to, too much contrast because it's supposed to be dark, you know, uh, the, 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 the tone. And, and, uh, so I didn't, I couldn't, I didn't really want to add greens or yellows or any of that. So that's why I kept sort of the sort of purple, cool colors. And yeah, that was basically the main reason. So for me, I guess for cool covers, yeah, I think in terms of the story, since it's, since I usually don't, or actually I've never really read a book before I do the cover. It's not so much about the story. It's about, actually being uh, uh, faithful to the novel in in itself, like very, very literal is more about capturing the essence of it. So it can be a little bit more abstract or maybe even a scene that's not quite there, but maybe it's, let's say it's showing the main character in front of uh, a city. Maybe the character is not in exactly that pose in front of the city, but you're getting the idea of the book. So I think that's probably my my, my go-to if I can, um, other, other than that, um, you know, just crazy good art from the artists that I like, I, you know, I follow, um, 
we all know him, uh, John Anthony. He's he's done a bunch of indie covers too. It's pretty awesome. Uh, then other artists that I really like, uh, Stefan Martinier. He does this like really crazy sci-fi sort of environments that I find in, in, incredibly detailed and and and, and just re- really inspiring. Then you we have you know Richard Anderson who is more stylistic. Um, who else? Mark Simonetti is more is he's more classic. I would I would say he's more of a no, I I don't paint like him at all, but I would say my style maybe resembles his more than Stefan's or Richard's. But uh, yeah, I, I think something epic and 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 you know, obviously if it's it has to be great art, great design. But yeah, basically telling a story, you know, uh, something that blows you away, right? Yeah, right from the start. And I, I guess kind of flipping that on its head a little bit, we've talked a bit about what makes for, you know, something that just blows you away, like really fantastic cover art. But what kind of mistakes or uh, common misconceptions do you think that people have when they're looking for cover art or when they're creating their own cover art? Uh, right. My mistakes that I've done that I probably will do for a long time, I think is sometimes not leaving enough space at the bottom or the top. (laughs) 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 Like sometimes, all right, this is, this is done. And then suddenly like, no, there's not enough space for the, I don't know. Title is title is like four words or five words or something like, ah, so I have to like sort of repaint something or, Maybe then the I think the character is high enough in the on the page, and then the bottom lettering is covering the legs or something, things like that. That besides you know the obvious stuff like if you don't, if, I guess if you don't do good composition and value and all those things, you know the the basic art stuff, you can see sort of right away, and I guess not really hiring uh, like a really good designer sometimes can be bad. You know, I I think it's important to at least have some, you don't need to go crazy on the design, but definitely do something that, that, you know, is readable and at any size and things like that. Yeah. I think, I think he's nailed it there. Um, I mean, for me, uh, my biggest problem with Felix's work is that when I look at it, I'm like, I don't want to put anything on it. Cause I'm like, no, I want to see it all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I was like, well, okay, I could put the title here. I'm like, yeah, but that's kind of, that's really cool up there. There's a lot of really cool detail. I'm like, fuck. Okay. What if I put it down here? <laughs> so it's like, it is, it's a war, uh, you know, because I'm like, it's so fucking cool. I just, I, I you know, I, I feel shoddy slapping my, my name on it. <laughs> like it's like trying to find somewhere where i'm not in the way yeah but, uh yeah he's uh he's right about hiring uh designers um uh, like typographers um like smoke and stone basically i just totally ran out of money but <laughs> at the end so i did that one with some help from felix he was uh he was kind enough to to help with uh suggesting a lot of like sort of you know color color approaches palette approaches for the text and then uh blackstone heart i tried several different times to do the typography myself and i think felix 
because like, I'm such an asshole to work with. I kept bugging him. <laughs> Eventually he was like, here, dude, do this. Now fuck off. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I've been a, a graphic designer since forever. You know, that's my career. So designing uh, book covers is not what I really want to do. I, I, I want to <laughs> do the, the illustrations, but if I have to, you know, I'd rather help with what, however I can. And, and, you know, it's not going to be all the way designed like with Sean King, you know, he's a freaking awesome typographer, but, um, you know, at least he'll do the job because not every cover needs like the craziest, awesomest type, if, especially if you run out of money, but <laughs> at least something that, you know, that looks clean and, and, and readable, and, you know, yeah, yeah. That, that's, I think it's essential. Yeah, I would agree. Right. I know from a reader's perspective, a lot of times I tend to personally focus way more on the cover art than the typography, but definitely I will notice the extremes, right? Like if something is not really up to par, I kind of notice that it's not great typography. And if something's like really, really stand out great, I'll notice that as well. But there's a, there's a range in the middle where I, I kind of, I get the title, I get the author, but I'm really focused on the art. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, well, we've we've kind of mentioned Blackstone Heart quite a bit. Uh, I'm curious, Mike, what's the origin for the story? Uh, okay, origin. So many, many years ago, uh, I used to role play a lot, um, you know, before I was married and had a kid. So back when I actually had a free time thing. Uh, and I was always, always the GM, always the dungeon master, whatever you want to call it, uh, because I'm sort of a control freak and I like making up stories. Um, so I ran a Stormbringer campaign, uh, on the Chaosium system for about a decade, uh, off and on for a decade. Um, and the main character from that campaign, um, was Kren. And so Blackstone Heart is like this little chunk of that campaign kind of, uh, rewritten for, for a novel. You know, it's, it's not, isn't, is nothing like a, like literal lift out of the campaign, nothing sort of like that cheesy, but just to sort of like the, the world, the background, the character, uh, was taken from a from a Stormbringer campaign from, from I don't know somewhere happened somewhere between like eighty seven and ninety seven. Oh wow! So th this has been in the works then for a long time, at least in some shape or form. Yeah, back in the the early nineties, I was like, I'm going to be a writer, and so I started I started trying to write Blackstone Heart. It was the first the first book I ever tried to write. Uh, and I got about 30,000 words into it and was like, writing is hard. Uh, so I gave up because I didn't do difficult things. It was either, you know, if, if something came really easy, I did it. If it was difficult, I was like, fuck this, it's too difficult. And so I moved to Toronto to be a, to be a rock star instead because that seemed like it would probably be easier. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, so I have a question about that, actually. So main character, did you have a favorite player then? Yeah, there was there was one one player who was like from the beginning. I mean, it was the player who was Kren that and he was like this central became the central character throughout okay. the entire campaign. Other players would kind of come and go. 
Um, but there were times there were like, sometimes, you know, you'd have a year of this campaign where it was literally like GM one player. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess if I joined your group and I saw, Oh, this guy is clearly the favorite. He's getting all the cool magic items. I would go also. <laughs> be like, I want to I be the favorite. I want to play with my girlfriend or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We, we did, we did different campaigns, uh, different systems, like different sort of dynamics. Um, you know, over the years, I mean, if name a weird gaming system and we've probably done it. That's cool. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's the, you know, going way back. That's the, the origins of that. Yeah. So I, I imagine, you know, since that originated, wow, like 30 some odd years ago, the story is not quite the same as it was in that campaign. So what, if you had to give a brief, and I know this is every author's favorite question ever, brief elevator pitch for the story, what would it be? Okay. Man wakes up, has no idea who he is. Um, you know, knows nothing. He's more animal than anything. And he finds uh, sort of a small shard of obsidian that when he touches it, it sinks through his flesh, finds his way, its way to his heart. And as it does, he starts remembering bits of himself. And he realizes that there are little shards of his black stone heart littered around the world. And with each shard of heart that he gets back, he remembers more of his past, more of who he was. And so it's, uh, he sets off on this sort of, uh, adventure to find out who he was and regain all the pieces of his broken heart because I'm basically just writing a love story with a ton of gore and violence. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say, it's just a happy go lucky love story where, uh, everything's sunshine and rainbows. Oh, all my stuff is like that. Kittens and puppies. Would you say this is darker than your previous or sort of about the same? Uh, so I, I was, I was doing a little bit of market research because when I wrote Blackstone Heart, uh, I was like, I'm going to write a YA novel. I want to sort of try and cross into that market a little bit. Cause you know, YA it's selling and it's hot and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write a YA novel. Uh, and sort of, a uh, uh, Petros who was like the first reader for this, uh, he read it and was like, dude, the fuck is wrong with you? This is not YA. You can't do that. Yeah, it's not YA. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was kind of like, okay. And I did a little market research with some test readers after that, asking people like, hey, is this is this grimdark? Because to me, it's not. It's just, it's a story, right? Uh, and the response I got was, I can't wait until this is on, you know, Mark Lawrence's list of grimdark stories so you can, you know, rate them. <laughs> uh, because I'm going to give it like a six out of five kind of thing. <laughs> okay. So I guess it's kind of grimdark. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what grimdark is to me. It's just, it's, it's a story. I, I don't really think yeah. about genre at all while I'm writing. But yeah. 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 yeah and I guess it's probably not super happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to a certain extent, does Anybody really agree on a definition for what grimdark is? I mean, if you ask five different people what it means, you'll probably get six different answers. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's probably defined by the most popular authors, you know, and if uh, enough people read them, then that's sort of the general idea, right? Like the general, they get the general taste of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. It's like, 
Frank Frazetta defined fantasy art for for decades, I, I guess. And and so you sort of know based, you know, like what artists are there, like are hot, and so they kind of define the pave the way, I guess. Yeah, and so I'm curious from an art perspective, what's the overall process like? Like where where do you start, and then like what are your first steps from there? All right, so normally somebody will reach out and um, they'll ask, are you interested in doing something, say like, well, usually it's fantasy of some, at some level. It could be high fantasy or epic or dark. And I'll start asking questions or I, I'll tell them, send me a brief of what you think would be on the cover. And then um, if I think I need more information, I'll ask them. So usually... Um, they won't send me how the character looks a lot of the time. So I ask them, what color is the hair? What are they wearing? Uh, from there, I start sketching. I do, depends on, depends on how happy I am with the sketches. It, sometimes I do one, I'm like, this is it. This is the one. I send it, the, the author likes it, and then I go from there. But usually it's more like three, maybe. And... Um, after that, I like I kind of like the back and forth. I, I I work on it for some hours a day. I send it back. I get feedback, and and then I finish. And the, it could that could be a few times. It could be one or two. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Uh, in terms of the art part, that, I mean that's sort of dealing with the client. In the art part, on my side, I I just look for reference. I have a, 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 a pretty decent mental library of, of artists. So sometimes uh, a brief will remind me of an artist. So I'll go and get inspiration from that artist and then look for reference, like a real world reference or, or other art or whatever. And then I start, that's, that's sort of where I get the composition, layout, details, you know, all those things and, and then I, you know, I mix it all up and, and send it, send it back to the client before I finish. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I imagine, uh, it's probably kind of an ongoing collaboration between you and whoever your client happens to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been lucky, you know, some clients actually have pretty good eye or idea of what they want. And I've had times where they actually make the art better. Um, they'll be like, no, but what if you do this? And I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. Why not? Boom. And then I do it and, and it works perfect. Sometimes I just ask my, my wife, she's, she has a great eye. She'll tell me, oh, I don't know about that. And, and, you know, I'll change it. And so, but yeah, it's, it's definitely very, there's a lot of collaboration and usually, and a lot of happy accidents and, you know, it's, it's, it's never, it's never like I just start painting and boom, done. No, it's, it's a lot of exploration definitely it, it, it's almost like uh art is actual work and there's a whole process involved with it and i know some <laughs> people just think that artists can just spit something out like in an hour and it's a masterpiece oh my god i wish <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i guess kind of on a more technical level for the art what what type of tools do you normally use to create your book covers it's mostly crayons yeah yeah <laughs> No, you know, funny. I, I actually, I was, I was with my daughter and 
I was thinking of a cover I had to do for, for Tor books, uh, the, the third one for, for, um, Brian Anderson's, um, series. And I was with my daughter and she was like drawing with her crayons. Like I need to use my time more efficiently. So I started doodling with, with her crayons. And I'm like, oh, I like this layout. And I took a picture of it and it became the very first thumbnail for the third cover. <laughs> so it's not that far, you know, but, but no, but normally I, I only use Photoshop and, and sometimes some photography for, te for textures, but it's usually just Photoshop brushes and that's pretty much it. And, you know, reference online. Yeah. So, Mike, you thought you were joking with the crayons, but apparently that's actual <laughs> part of the official process. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I, I know we joked about, you know, kicking out a masterpiece in an hour, but how, how long for you does it normally take from start to finish from the first time like you start sketching with crayons or something to you finally turn over that final product? Yeah. So, so, you know, it depends on the budget usually. Um, if the piece is supposed to have a lot of detail, a lot of elements, like, I don't know, I did one recently that has space creatures, you know, whole lot of stuff in it. So that's more expensive. And if it's one of the simple ones, uh, say like a character on top of a little stone or a hill and not much else, then it's definitely a lot less. It depends also on if they want a back cover, how detailed the back cover is. Sometimes they just, oh, just do something very, very basic just, just to have something in the back. Sometimes it's like, no, oh, there needs to be like this other thing in the back. So, you know, it, it builds up. It, it really depends on the brief and the amount of detail. But, oh, sorry. The question is how long does it, does it take, right? It could take from two days to like, I don't know, a week and a half, a week, maybe. Okay. Wow. That's, that's actually faster than I was imagining. Yeah. The average is probably around, uh, I want to say three, three work days, maybe not the eight hours because, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I always have to do something like dishes or laundry or something, <laughs> but I'm going to say, I'm going to say just like an average would say three days, maybe. Like three full days. Okay. That's the average, yeah. Gotcha. And uh, I, I know you and Mike were saying that you've helped out with typography some before. Is that something you usually do or is that just kind of every now and then? He hates doing that. He'll only do that if, <laughs> if you really annoy him. Like if you're just <laughs> relentlessly annoying, he'll do it to shut you up. But don't, don't, don't tell other writers that because that would just piss him off. The rate I think, will up. Like I, I think I mentioned before, I've been a designer all my life, but I've been doing corporate design most, most of the part, most of the time. And, and so typography, I, I know it, but you know, it, that's a whole new epic level kind of job where, you know, you need to really know it well, uh, like fantasy fonts and, and styles and size and all that stuff so i can i can make something look nice but i would never go into the level that sean king goes because it's, it's just not what i'm doing you know I, that would be sort of starting over a second career you know and i don't know if i have the energy i can do like basic stuff like uh something clean and simple that works but not with the fancy spiky things you know like Warhammer logos, things like that. You know, I, I, don't <laughs> know if I, if I can uh, go there. It's too much. 
Well, well, I hear uh, swooping R's are the hot thing right now. Swooping what? Swooping R's. I, I don't know. I've just R, As yeah. a reader, it seems to be a trend. There's a lot of R's that kind of tail off and swoop. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a little this the, the R sword, the R blade or something. Oh, that you see, that's that's a lot cooler of a name for it. I made that up though. <laughs> Quick copyright that. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There you go. Uh, so I'm curious, Mike. Once once you have that art from Felix, what do you do with it? What's your next step? Uh, so what I basically do is the second I have it, I start. Uh, screwing around with, uh, I mean, unless if, if I've got the budget for a typography, like if I can, if I can hire Sean to do it, then I just hire Sean to do it. Cause then I don't have to think about it. I just, I know it's going to be awesome. And frankly, I don't actually want to do it or think about it. But, uh, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm sort of like in the position where it's like, I got to do it myself. Um, I just start kind of like a, a brain dead coked out chimp smashing typography against things uh, and fonts until they find something where I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And then um, I found if you, you know, like you show it to the artist and if they get this like kind of painful twitch, you go like, okay, shit, I should probably keep working on this. <laughs> you know, like you send them a picture or you send them the like, Oh, I was thinking of this for the cover and you get a one word. No. <laughs> like okay, okay. Um, so yeah i don't know i uh yeah so I, I i start messing around with it um uh usually once i'm pretty close to having like a finished cover uh i'll talk to uh, adrian over at grimdark magazine because they've done a uh, cover releases for me for a couple of books and actually all of them yeah anyway grimdark <laughs> magazine is awesome so i just i I talked to Adrian and we set up a, you know, a cover reveal and take it from there. I, you know what? I, I don't think I've ever actually answered a question because I like kind of half hear them. Then I start talking and then I wander. So I can't remember that, what the question That is was. like 70% of the beauty of podcasts are tangents and not directly answering questions. Hmm. <laughs> we got that nailed. There you go. Uh, so uh, I'm curious, Mike. So I know, Starting out, like you've you've worked and had the cover art experience with both traditional publishing and indie publishing. I'm guessing from our conversation so far, it sounds like you have a lot more hands-on control with indie publishing. Uh, but what what would you say your overall experience is with each, and how are they different? Um, okay, so with I've got two traditionally published novels. Uh, so Beyond Redemption was Harper Voyager. Uh, Richard Anderson did the cover. Um, I had no idea who did the typography, but I, I was shown a couple of sketches and they were like, which one do you like? Um, and they ended up using the one that I liked, but I don't know whether that was because I liked it or whether they just happened to like it too. Um, Swarm and Steel was published by Skyhorse. Um, they said, this is your cover art and we're changing the title of your book kind of. Um, so like that wasn't the, they didn't like my title, which was way fucking better. Um, and so like I was basically shown the art when it was done and you know, that was it. Self-publishing. Uh, I, I, I did two books with, uh, uh, John Anthony, did Giovanni, did you, did you, did Giovanni? 
and well, I just know him as Anthony. Um, I did two covers with Anthony and he's, you know, insanely talented. He's an amazing artist. And, uh, I just loved it because you get to, you talk to the artist, you get the cover you want. Like I, I go in, I have an idea what I want to see, like for every book, an idea. Now I'm not an artist, so, you know, it's, I'm not giving, you know, detailed descriptions. It's more like, I'm like a city and colors and cool stuff and black. And then the artist (laughs) sort of goes, yeah, okay, fine. (laughs) And then runs with it. You know, (laughs) I take credit. Like it's something that I put together. Like, yeah, that was my scene. I I did that. Um, I I love the self-publishing thing. I like the control. Like, as I said before, I'm a control freak. Um, I like being involved in it. Uh, if at the end of the day I have a shitty cover, there's one person I can point to and go like, yeah, dude, that's your fault. And that's me, you know? So, uh, it ain't done until I'm happy. That seems to mesh with what I've typically heard from most people is you get more control, but, uh, if you screw it up, it's all on you. So there's (laughs) definitely trade-offs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm curious about on the flip side, the artist perspective, because Felix, I know uh, you've done a cover, at least one, maybe more, I'm not sure, uh, with tour books, and then you've done several for indie authors. So how, what kind of uh, differences are in the process on your end? You know, um, I've only worked with one AD from tour. So um, he, he's, the first brief was pretty detailed, but kind of detail up to a point where, where they, they tell me what they want to see, but, but, but loose enough that I can do my own thing. And they were, they were actually pretty flexible and, and not super, not super control freaky. Um, <laughs> hey, I think that was a shot. Not, <laughs> not to call anyone out here. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like I love, uh, the feedback was very, like very straightforward and, and not, not, not a not a lot and the second book was even even less detailed the brief was less detailed the third book the same like very that it all right basically they they know what i can do so they sort of let me do what, what i can do um with indie authors i mean i've done a, a bunch by now so everybody's different um some people tell me like the minimum that they like a little paragraph and that's it. And some people send me like blueprints of boats and all kinds of things. So it, it really varies. So some, you know, it, it really depends how clear the image is in the author's mind. And, um, yeah, so it, it, it definitely, it definitely varies a lot. It definitely varies a lot. Um, some, yeah, so I get, I can get pages and pages of, brief from indie authors sometimes um with tor only the first book was was the brief was pretty long the 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 other two were very short right and so i guess from an artist perspective do you have a preference like would you prefer just to be given complete freedom and a vague idea or do you want those detailed briefs i would say i would say i i have a preference for tor's budget (laughs) (laughs) that's what what i was just thinking i'm like is he gonna go with the honest answer i'd like to work for people with money the obvious obvious answer right but um you know uh i don't really have a preference i would say if if somebody asked me to paint stuff i really like to paint 
then yes, I'll prefer to do that. But a job is a job and you have to try to do it right and get into it no matter what. So sometimes I've had authors ask me, oh, do you want to do um, modern type fantasy, like urban fantasy stuff? And, and I say no, because I know it's going to be too much work and I'm not going to be as good as other people who do that. Um, like urban, like we build, like, you know, and I could do it. I just don't prefer it. And if I have enough clients doing the epic stuff that I like, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to maybe want more inclined to do that. In the future, who knows? Like if I go completely full-time um, illustration, then I'll probably take on anything. But yeah, so I, my preference is usually the theme. You know, if, if it sparks something, my, my imagination, then then yeah, it's it doesn't matter really the budget, but if I have fun with it, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to be pumped, if I see it as my own book rather than just a job, you know. Right. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So stepping away from book covers briefly, Mike, I'm curious. So book design is more than just strictly art and you made an interesting decision in choosing to narrate your own audiobook. So I'm curious, <laughs> what, what made you decide to try that? Okay. So, uh, I, I was, uh, an audio engineer for almost 20 years, uh, oh, really? record, recording bands, uh, doing live sound. I was a booking agent for a rock club in Toronto for a bunch of years. Um, and did, did live sound for, I don't know, ballpark, like 10,000 bands or something like that. So I, I don't do that anymore, but I still have a bunch of studio gear. Um, and you know, I've been hiring, uh, a narrator to do my audiobooks for, uh, a Rosa did smoke and stone and she did, uh, there's some other book that I have. Oh, uh, ghosts of tomorrow. <laughs> my brain is awesome. Uh, so she, she did those two and she is like, she's crazy talented. She, she, uh, she's an actor by trade. She's actually, you know, professional, um, you know, but I was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't really have the budget to like hire all these people to put out books. Um, and I'm, I have all this gear, so I thought I'd just give it a shot. Um, I found a, a friend of mine online, uh, Julia, uh, she's like, uh, she's an audio book aficionado. She loves them. Uh, so I, I did a couple of sample chapters, sent them to her and she really liked the delivery and how everything was sort of come together. Um, so what I did is, uh, I, I set up, a something on Dropbox, uh, an account on Dropbox and dropped chapters in whenever I finished them and she listened to each chapter, uh, and gave me feedback on each chapter, gave me a thumbs up or said, no, you kind of screwed this part up or whatever. Uh, and we went through the whole audiobook that way and, uh, she likes it. So, I mean, we're going to see, I, um, I, I really enjoyed doing it and I am kind of dreading the reviews. I might, I might just not read them. I don't know. We'll see. So it was a combination of, uh, control freak. And, uh, for this particular book, it's a first person point of view, a male that seemed like a, a sort of an easy way to start with the audiobook thing. Although the first time a female character starts talking, I'm like, Oh, how the fuck do I do this? 
Yeah. So it was fun. It was it was a lot of fun. Huge learning process. Yeah, I I can definitely imagine. Uh, as someone who just uh, absolutely dabbles in audio myself, uh, I know it can be a ton of work. So uh, huge, huge admiration for undergoing that task. It was fun. It uh, it took a long time. It's uh, sixteen hours of audio almost. Oh wow. So it's a really long book. It's is that normal? Yeah, I mean it's a hundred thousand words roughly. That that's pretty normal. Okay, All right. Yeah, at yes. least as an avid audiobook listener myself, uh, that definitely seems like a middle of the road length. I know I've listened to books that are eight hours and those are short, and I've listened to books that are forty-five hours and those are pretty <laughs> long. Boy. Yeah. So for sixteen hours of recorded book time, about. How long did that take you to put together? Uh, actual recording time, I, I didn't track it at all. Um, I'd guess at about twice that for the initial recording. It might be more. Um, because I'm or was an audio engineer by trade, I, I know what I'm doing with uh, you know, working in the in the the workstation. So I if I if I screwed something up, if I flubbed a word, which I, I do all the time. I just roll back a couple of seconds and and punch in on the fly. So like my sort of like my first take as it were was, was pretty clean because I was continually fixing as I go. So if you, if you looked at the, the wave form, you know, on the computer, it was super chopped up because they're just punches and cuts all over the place done on the fly as I went. And then there was like an editing pass of just cleaning up any crossovers uh, if I, if I miss something, you know, in the delivery, I'd, I'd clean that stuff up. And then I spent a fair amount of time working on, uh, on preamps on, you know, processing the actual sound of it, compression, EQ, uh, amp modeling, like preamp modeling and stuff. Uh, cause it, to me, that's the fun part, which is weird is the, just the nerdy technical side of it. So I, I, it's gotta be like, 30 40 hours probably by the end yeah uh that that definitely seems like a lot of work it it took a while and then oh there's the days where you can hear you know the the garbage men picking up the the garbage out front or <laughs> my daughter running around the house or my wife putting laundry on <laughs> i'm like okay enough recording for today Yep. As someone who owns a microphone that can hear my refrigerator think from two stories above me, yeah, I, I feel your pain. Yeah. So uh, I'm wondering, I assume you probably decided to do this yourself partially because you did a bit of a cost-benefit analysis and decided versus hiring a narrator, maybe it made sense to invest in uh, the hardware and software yourself and figure out how to do it. So kind of what was that decision-making process like? At Like how... How much did you budget to set up your home studio? Okay, well, for me, the uh, because I was previously an audio engineer, I already had all the stuff. Like, I have a home studio set up all the time anyway. I write and record songs that I never, ever do anything with just for fun. That's my hobby. So I had microphones. Uh, I had tube preamps. I have all the gear already, so there was no budgetary thing. Uh, so it cost me zero. Oh, in fantastic. terms of dollars to do it. 
Yeah, so, that, I mean, for sure that played a part in the choice. Was, it was like, I can produce this for free. Uh, but the time actually was, was the big problem because uh, my life, I get up at four o'clock in the morning, I write, I go to my, I get my daughter up, I get her ready for school, send her off to school. I go to my day job, I work at my day job all day. I come home, you know, we do homework together. We do dinner stuff and it's family time. And then I go to bed. And the idea of like, I'm going to cram an audiobook in there somehow was a little daunting. Yeah, especially with uh, 40 plus hours of work on it. Yeah, yeah. And I think I managed to finish it in under a month. It's about three, three and a half weeks. That's pretty fast, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little psychotic when I get a <laughs> when I get attached to an idea, which is, yeah, I mean, yeah. why I can <laughs> why I can write books. Yeah, no, I I do that with, with covers too. If once I do, I put down the first pixel, I really need to finish it. Yeah. So I'll be thinking about it until I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Felix, uh, I'm curious then from an art perspective as well, like what, what types of factors affect the ultimate cost of your cover art? Like I, I imagine some of it has to do with whatever time frame you're given. Some of it has to do with how complex the briefs are that you're given. Uh, but I'm just kind of curious in general. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's similar to what I said before about if you want a back cover, um, how many things are on the actual cover, like elements, um, necessary elements, right? Like people who say there needs to be a really detailed this and that and this and that and this and that. So it, it, I, I do like a mental, I try to do, it's an approximation because I, I don't, I mean, I don't charge an hour. I, I charge per piece. So it's a fixed, it's a fixed number, but I try to imagine sort of how long will it take me to do instead of one character, five characters and how much detail will each have and things like that. And then back cover, how much detail, uh, things, you know, it, it, I have sort of a standard price and then I kind of take from it or add to it. And it could be somewhere between say 800 is probably the least I'm going to charge to like 2000. If, if the art is like extremely, you know, we want this epic thing going and, you know, but it's never, it, it, ne it almost never goes to that, to that level. You know, it's usually kind of in the middle, 1200, a thousand, maybe. Gotcha. Yeah. That, that makes sense to me. And, uh, <laughs> personally that, that seems like a really good deal for the level of art quality that you're able to output. Yeah. I, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> All the writers are like, when, when did they stop working for, for, for exposure bucks? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Damn it. Um, no, I, I, you know, it's so far I, I have, I have had no, no problem with charging and, and, you know, receiving payments, any of that. So, you know, it's been good. Yeah. And, uh, so are you open to taking on new clients and are there any specific, things that you're looking for when someone approaches you with a new piece, any specific types of covers that you're hoping to work on? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm always getting new clients. I just tell them like, if there's a new person asking for, say some, some people ask for for whole series, like three, four books. Um, so 
I I just tell them like when they could be possibly ready. Say um, I don't know fall or winter or and so I, that's where I start usually. Like okay, so you need this. I have open uh, starting say June or September or something, and and that's usually where I start. But yeah, new clients for sure and things to do. Well, like I, I said before, urban fantasy, I'm not, it's not that I don't like it. I just, it's not what I do normally. So I think, you know, all the epic stuff, even if it's weird black suns, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like that stuff is cool. You know, it's like, like cool ideas like that. I, I'm a fan of, um, you know, typical epic characters. I'm a fan of, I would love to do sci-fi because I, I used to draw a lot of sci-fi before and. I haven't really had the the opportunity to do that. So that would be cool too. Like some power armor or, or spaceships or, you know, things like that. Um, what else? Uh, yeah. Oh, it would be awesome to work for some kind of game. Um, but that I'm not sure why would, what it would be. Cause I mean, ideally you get hired by wizards of the coast or something like that, but it could be an indie game too. It would be fun to, I think, do work on a game. Yeah, and I know uh, some game art is absolutely incredible. So, be yeah, yeah I, I would imagine it'd be really fun to work on that. Yeah. Um. Well, Mike, uh, bringing it back to you, I'm curious. So, what can readers expect from you in the future? I imagine. Uh, since Blackstone Heart is the first book in a series, you'll be working on the sequels. Uh, but what in general outside of that? Uh, oh my god outside of that i have to do more <laughs> uh yeah so for the next little while i'm basically gonna bounce back and forth between the city of sacrifice series and the obsidian path series so smoke and stone is book one of city of sacrifice blackstone heart is book one of the obsidian path they're both going to be trilogies unless everything goes really badly and I end up writing more books which really hope i don't uh, so for the next little while, I'm hoping like kind of somewhere 2022, I've got both trilogies done. Um, and I really just want to focus on that. I want to get these out. Uh, I've got, I, I know what needs to happen in both trilogies and, uh, being able to bounce back and forth is really nice. Cause I, I find if I spend too long in one world, it, it burns me out. Uh, which is kind of what happened with the uh, Manifest Illusions stuff. I wrote three books back-to-back in in that sort of insanely dark world, and by the end I was just cooked. Just I, I, I couldn't really face going back there for a while. So that that's it. I'm uh, my, my next two years are booked <laughs> writing. I know what I'm working on. I, I can imagine that's that's a good feeling to know it's in your future and to have that solid plan as well as to have two projects you can bounce back and forth on. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, I'm pretty happy with with how these are going, and uh, I I think the the part I love about the self publishing is producing stuff and not waiting. You know, when it's ready, I can put it out. Um, both of these books were written two years ago. And they were in various states of limbo for, you know, for different reasons for two years. It was just insanely frustrating. 
and so to to be able to finally get this stuff out there and to be moving on this it's uh it's an amazing feeling well that's about all i have for the two of you so i guess to wrap things up i'm curious where readers and art aficionados can find you on social media so felix if you want to go first Oh, um, well, you can find me easily on Facebook, just Felix Ortiz. Uh, I'm on the Grimdark group and I'm uh, the, the Cabal uh, group also. What Cabal? Uh, what <laughs> there, is, cabal? there is no Cabal. <laughs> no existent Cabal. Um, and, and a few others, you know, but definitely, you know, if you look up on Facebook, you'll find me. Um, Art Station, same thing, Felix Ortiz, Art Station, and, and you'll find me there. Uh, it's pretty easy. Okay. And uh, how about you, Mike? Uh, Facebook, I'm Michael R. Fletcher. On Twitter, I'm somebody. Who am I on Twitter? Oh, at Fletcher MR. Weird. Uh, there's michaelrfletcher.com, the much ignored website. Um, yeah, I'm kind of around on social media. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally shit at advertising and marketing so i i i'm mostly just sort of badger people with weird insane things um yeah i'm around uh you know if anyone looks for me i'm sure they can find me yeah perfect yeah. well i think that uh wraps up everything i have for the two of you unless there's any last minute things you want to bring up and discuss i think that's a wrap i think i'm good Cool. Thanks for having me. Guys. Yeah, thanks for having us, dude. Yeah, and thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting us on Patreon, taking a moment to rate us in your podcast app, or sharing the episode on social media. As always, you can find us online at thefantasyn.com and on Twitter and Instagram at thefantasyn. Or, you know, just hang out with us in our Discord server, which you can find through our blog or in the show notes. That's all for this week. Until next time.